Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of, this is a collaboration. We have two Marvel universes coming together. <laughs> we have Her Lounge podcast, Marisol. Hello, everyone. And of course, we have RPT, Red Pill Tamales. We got DJ producer Big Rob. Hey, everybody. Building. How's it going? And today, special guest uh, all the way via Zoom, Abraham Enriquez. How are you today, sir? Good, good. Thank you for the invitation, man. Hey, so you were telling us a little bit, a little bit of background uh, off air, but now we're recording, so go on. Yeah, yeah. So I guess this is, we're just doing an informal conversation, right? Yes, so, sir, of course. Uh, so we were talking about the the, the studio that I'm using. Um, I became a contributor to some national media outlets and uh, started doing these weekly, pretty much weekly uh, on air interviews. And so I was just doing it through my iPad, Skype and Zoom accounts through my iPad. Um, and the quality just didn't look or sound too good. So <laughs> decided to invest in an actual studio. And so here we are. So, awesome. so that's, that, that's what this gets us. Awesome. So here we are, uh, days after the midterms and still many, you know, first world country, by the way, <laughs> United States of America, we still, I guess our process is to <laughs> where we still kind of don't know. Uh, can you, to all the listeners, can you kind of, uh, dig into that? elaborate on on our system and why is it and, and how does that make you yeah absolutely and so i think you and i um you know marisol i think we can all agree that it's we're very blessed to to live in texas and for your listeners who are from texas we should be very very happy about our leadership uh, and how they've handled elections so far because on election day we go in and we vote and on election night we find out um, the results right mm -hmm. uh, and so you would assume that that is how the rest of the country functions um, but as you see in Nevada, which was just called a, a couple of days ago, but m more recently today in Arizona, we're still we're still counting ballots. Mm. Uh, and so that goes to show you that there, you know, there is some leadership that isn't always good leadership when it comes to the election process. I think the fact that we are uh, almost a week from Election Day and we Arizona still doesn't know who their governor is going to be, uh, who their attorney general is going to be, who their uh, for a while, they didn't know who their senator was going to be. That that is a lot of um, uh, a lot of expectations for the for the state government to to look into. And so, I think we should agree that living in Texas, we're very blessed with with conservative leadership that that puts integrity into election laws. Uh, and here's the thing: I think you talk to ten people about what's going on and what their views are, what's going on in Arizona, and they'll probably give you ten different uh, viewpoints. Uh, and before people start shouting election fraud and things like that, everyone looks to the United States as a prime example of how everything should go, whether it be the economy, whether it be social issues, uh, specifically with election laws. And the fact that there are states within the country that we function sometimes even worse in a third world uh, country with how they do the elections, it gives room to some of these conversations that give people uh, the dissatisfaction to go out and vote. So the more process that we have with people not finding out who their governor, who their local elected leaders are day of election, the less likely they're going to have, uh, the less likely they are to go out next time to go out and vote because they just lose interest in voting. And you and I know uh, that Hispanics, we're the largest minority voting bloc in the country, right? Meaning in a lot of these areas, a candidate cannot win without the Hispanic vote. However, on the downside, we're the we're the ethnic group that votes the least, right? So that doesn't make sense. How are we this powerful voting block, yet we're not getting out uh, and voting in the numbers that we should be getting out? Mm -hmm. And it's because of things like this. Because when 
when elections take weeks, sometimes months to count votes and to uh, have a legitimate winner, it just it doesn't it doesn't entice Hispanics to go out and vote again. It makes us feel like our voice isn't isn't being heard. So I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that as well. Well, I wanted to add that um, not only do are we a large voting block and we don't vote, you know, for the most part, but uh, what portion of those people vote blue? <laughs> just because Jorge Ramos and Univision. And I don't know if you know about me, but like I was pretty much just kind of Democrat by default, uh, just growing yeah. up, growing up public schools and stuff up until eighth grade in a big blue city. And just uh, I was more into NWA, not Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Bill <laughs> O'Reilly. I was into like Ludacris, 50 Cent, you know, so <laughs> I, you know, I grew up in the city, so I, I just wasn't. I just fell for a lot of the rhetoric, but um, so as as of late, started paying more closer attention and uh, shifted views. But yeah, it's kind of a shame that um, still like a lot of Latinos and La Raza, not everybody, but a lot are just kind of like, hey, aren't the Democrats the good guys? I mean, how I was up until a couple years ago. And I have a question for you, Abraham, while we're kind of talking about all this. Were you always conservative or is this something that or like you like? Chingo and I, where we kind of came to it a little bit later. Well, we were kind of conservative, but we're voting Democrat. Yeah. So I guess the question is... I grew up super conservative in my household. Yeah. To where even my parents voted. So the question is, were you always Republican? Yeah. Were you always Republican? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was. But I think even that question, we need to even when it comes to Latino voters, we need to even break that down. What does that actually mean? Because mm-hmm. you you could grow up conservative mm-hmm. and still feel like the Democrat Party at that time and age somewhat aligned with some of the values that you were talking about. And I'll, and I'll get to that. But first, before we even get into that, Marisol, I want to thank you for for letting Texas borrow your, your, your husband, because what he did on the campaign show, going out there and campaigning for I don't want to say Republican candidates. I want to say for for patriotic, country loving, freedom loving candidates was what Chingo did, and, and and we saw that. I mean, the amount of Hispanics that for the first time came out and voted because they heard what he was saying, because they they stopped at one of his you know tours and they realized, wait, maybe maybe this party that I've been voting for for a long time maybe doesn't actually resonate with my values. So, thank you both of you for what you did during the during the midterm elections, and it, and I think it should encourage everyone else to come out and and not not advocate for a party, but advocate for values and let the voters figure out which party aligns. And, and sadly, today's age, there really is only one party that that aligns with the values that most Hispanics believe in. But going back to Marisol, what, what you said about growing up. So I, I grew up in West Texas, small town uh, called Lubbock, Texas, right? And so everyone is conservative here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but what I grew up with is my grand, my grandparents immigrated in the 80s, right? At the time, my, my mom immigrated with them as well when she was uh, just a, a few months a few months old. And so I grew up with this idea of Reaganism, right? Ronald Reagan was the Latino president uh, for, for, for most Hispanics. What he did, he cared so much about the Hispanic community, the economic issues that he challenged, the tax regulations to let small businesses flourish, which primarily helps the Hispanic community, um, but as well as his 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 boldness to to stand on immigration reform, but also family values. So I grew up hearing about this Ronald Reagan that my my family loved to to say this is why we're political. And and I grew up, you know, knowing okay, the Republican Party is is for Hispanics. It wasn't until I started traveling all across really the country and more specifically South Texas 
where my good friend Mayra Flores uh, was running in a special election back in June. I think we all know the mm-hmm. the historic uh, wave that she did uh, in flipping a, a district. Sadly, you know the the outcome that we saw in this midterm election didn't didn't turn her way. But I I still think there's some room for her to grow. But knocking on doors and talking to Hispanic voters down there, you know. People down there do believe in in protecting the unborn life. People down there do believe in small government. You know, they understand that big government overreach uh, actually decreases individual liberty. Mm-hmm. Parents do believe that they should be, you know, understanding what their kids are being taught. And they do believe in border security, right? But somehow they were aligned to this Democrat party and they didn't know, they didn't understand why. And, and it really is, I mean, let's be completely honest. The Republican Party didn't always do their best at sending good candidates down to Hispanic uh, neighborhoods, right? They, they weren't so sending the their best. Time, <laughs> yeah, they weren't. They weren't sending their best, right? I mean, let's, we we can we can have an honest conversation about that, and that is why this midterm election, I think, you know, while the red wave, quote unquote, they say didn't happen, something that the Republican Party should not let the Democrats take away is the fact that this election. The GOP had their best performance with Hispanic voters in a midterm election, and I think since the 1970s. That is a huge accomplishment. And why did they do that? Because you look at Virginia, Yesley Vega, uh, 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 El Salvadorian of descent Congress uh, candidate was running for Congress. Juan Ciscomani, a first-generation Mexican-American in Arizona, was running. In South Texas, Maria Alvira Salazar, uh, Cuban-American, running. In South Texas, uh, Monica La Cruz, Mara Flores, mm-hmm. Cassie Garcia, Mexican-American woman saying, we're, we're going to run. For the first time ever, the Republican Party had this massive wave of Hispanics uh, from all demographics, Cuba, Venezuela, uh, Mexico, uh, El Salvador, saying, I, I'm stepping up and now I'm going to I'm going to show this party what real outreach looks like. And I think that's why we saw so many Hispanics gravitate towards the GOP. But Marisol, I think it's really important. You said something like how you grew up uh, conservative and you did vote. But Chingo, I think something that's also really important is that for those that feel like the Democrat Party has left them, they have all the right to feel that. In 2008, Barack Obama was running on on, on hope and, and change, right? Mm-hmm. Those two things resonate really well with the Hispanic community. Hispanics do believe in hope and they do want change in a lot of the ways that we do politics. But however, fast forward to today, that's not the Democrats' message anymore. Democrats have adopted fear and victimhood over hope and change. And so now this party that for a long time used to tell Latinos, trust in us, we want to bring change, we want to bring hope, they actually never did, but at least they campaigned on it. Now they're campaigning on this country is awful and there's systemic racism and you need help and the government's the only the only thing that can help you um, out of this out of the situation that you're in. And you talk to Hispanics and this idea that that America is racist and America is a bad country, that's when you you know you start setting alarms in your mind and saying, wait, hold hold on, this isn't this isn't the country that my abuelos taught me to love. This is the country the country that my my parents immigrated to to find opportunity. And the Republican Party has done a really good job of saying, look. All we want to do is make way for that you have the best opportunity in this country. And when 70% of people in this country, Chingo, when 70% of Hispanics in this country believe that America is a good country, they don't resonate and nor they will ever adopt this idea of victimhood um, and resentment towards country. When Mayra Flores won her special election in June 14th, she ran on a few things, the love of God, the love of family, and the love of country. 
al amor a la patria, right? And I think that's something that's so so alive in, in the Hispanic DNA and the makeup of how we vote. Uh, unless they send their kids off to college, then the woke, the Marxism, the anti-American, that's when all those, you know, you could throw a rock in Austin and hit someone that's like, oh, this country's racist, you know, like these big yeah. blue cities. Uh, one thing I want to um, touch upon to follow with what you just said is um, they shifted, the Dems shifted to the party of like fear and victimhood and victimization. Fear is is a powerful persuasion tool. Like sure. basically um, the Republicans were kind of like, hey, the culture's changing and we know that you guys don't, you know, like some of this cultural stuff and, you know, we are the ones that are here for like accountability and hard work and opportunity. And meanwhile, the Dems are like, they're going to kill your democracy. And everyone's like, oh my God. It's like, they're going to, they don't want you to have contraceptives and they don't want you, they don't want these kind of marriages and they don't want this and they don't, uh, uh, all abortions and all this and that. And it's, I don't know, right? There's, there's some people would allege there's malarkey <laughs> afoot, but like the fear, the fact that they use fear, it proved to be somewhat effective, and that's kind of unfortunate uh, that humans are kind of wired that way. Another thing I want to say is, it would be nice, and I, it's something that we try to do, uh, but like it'd be nice to see conservative voices and influencers and cr content creators and producers and just people that tienen amor a la patria to create more music and art and films and things that can help kind of contrast what we all the brainwashing of like victimization and look it's got to be a it's because she was female that's why you know you need but i i think part of the problem is is that sometimes it's not communicated correctly like we're not and i hate to say this is because i'm not saying the hispanic community is dumb or anything like that but it almost needs to be layman's terms like listen how many abortions has somebody in your family had i just want to know None? Okay. How, how many genders are there? Yeah. Like, do you think, you know, how many genders are there? Do you believe that one day you feel like a horse and then the next day you want to, you like girls and then tomorrow you may like boys? Like, I want, like, it needs to be that black and white, I feel, because, and I'm going to use our babysitter for it, for the example, okay? She's from Mexico. She's from Mexico. And... She felt like, oh, my God, during the pandemic, she's like, man, this country is so great. You guys just get all this money that would never happen in Mexico all the and uh, all the handouts that were happening. And so we were kind of trying to help her understand, like, this is not really a hand, you know. Yeah. And so she was like, well, you know, really? And and then when I'm really big on the public schools, that's kind of one of the big things I talk about on my podcast and transgenders and is another one that I'm kind of really big on. So when I sat there and explained to her and I actually showed her the books that I purchased to speak about on my podcast, she was like, well, where is this happening? I said, in HISD, HISD where our, you know, your grandkids go and where my kids are supposed to go, you know? And she was like, are you kidding me? And so it like opened up this like whole different idea that this would even be possible. And she was asking like, why are they doing this? Who, who takes the time to do this and why? Like, she didn't get it. Like, she just didn't feel like the purpose. I said, exactly. There, I don't, we don't, it's just an agenda. So I feel like sometimes. Real quick, we want to take time to shout out our sponsors. Shout out to, uh, man, these, this is family, bro. This, these are the homies. Y'all know I still put out singles from time to time. I'm always complaining. I don't get in the studio enough. But when I do and I want to release a hot track to all my listeners on 
Apple Music, Spotify. I gotta, I make sure I deal with my people. So South Music Distribution, you know, they handle all the digital. And uh, dude, they deal business to business. They deal with artists, you know, mainly. So it's not even really something that the average listener can really take advantage of per se. However, you can go on there and shop on their website. They got vinyl, uh, some classic titles and, and special releases and stuff like that. Follow them on Instagram, So South TX. But uh, even though they mainly deal with like global distribution of artists and, and things like that, um, they're like, hey, we want to show love to the podcast. We work with you already. We support what you do, support your voice and, um, you know, keep it going. So we appreciate the love. So South. Uh, make sure you follow them on Instagram. So South TX. And of course, hit up the website. So South.com. If you're an artist and you need services like marketing, consulting, they do all that, too. Uh, they make sure they get all your royalties, all your publishing in more markets. They even submit your music for like movies, television, commercials and media. Go get you go get some more info right now. Hit up the website. So South.com. Um, big friends of the podcast and big friends in real life we do a lot of business together and go stream my old catalog all my old titles brought to you by so south get on spotify go on apple music so south make sure all my music is everywhere when you're looking for it much love back to the show you know and i just kind of feel like a lot of the spanish networks don't help either you know like your jorge ramos person <laughs> you know i don't feel he helps either you know so i feel yeah. like if it was explained just a tad bit more simple, you know, don't say Republicans, don't say Democrats, don't say independents, like just simple terms. I think more people would be like, which I feel like that's the reason why Myra, so many people, like you said, resonated with her is because she was using words that, yeah. that you felt in your heart, family. I mean, that's what we're about. Patria, that's what we're about. So, you know, you come here with the American dream and that's what you're here for. And I think Myra did a very good job of showing that being an immigrant herself, you know? So no. mm -hmm. go ahead. You hit the nail right on the head. And I think something that I would even go, go past that is say something that separates the Republicans and the Democrats and the Republicans need to do a better job at is being, you know, somewhat charismatic. You know, I think Republicans, they're like, toughen up, mm. pick yourself up by the bootstraps, get to work, work hard. Right. And and we get it. We as Hispanics, as Latinos, we grow up knowing like, you know, life is tough, but you 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 put in what you what I mean, you get out what you put into mm. it. Right. So so that that message is not new for us. But the Democrats, they do a really good job of kind of charis like charismatically talking about things. I mean, I, one, one thing that I think is the most dangerous thing that Democrats do is they're able to use language, exactly what you're saying, Marisol. And I think Myra took a page out of that playbook and said, okay, let, let, let me show you how Republicans can do this too and also be effective. I remember when, when Barack Obama was uh, campaigning and, and talking about equality, right? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Equality for all. We want everyone to be equal. And you look terrible as a person saying, no, I don't want equality. Of course, we believe men and women should be treated the same. Of course, we believe people should have basic human rights. However, what exactly is the equality that the Democrats are talking about, right? It's about asking questions. Okay, it's it's not just about what you're what you're putting on the table. Let's let's look at the policies that you're actually going to implement. Under the Equality Act, because of that, because the Democrats were able to persuade half the country to let this policy go into into an effect, right? And because it got such high approval ratings within their party, fast forward to today, and because the Equality Act was in place, a man 
A grown man can now walk into a women's restroom and not be forced out simply because he says that he claims to identify as a woman, right? We're talking about grown men going into maybe even some girls' locker rooms, right? And because of this idea of equality, now we are exposing young women to this idea that they have to be okay with grown men walking into the restroom just because they identify as a woman, right? That's not the equality that I signed up for. Mm. That's not the equality that our parents probably signed up for. But Democrats are really good at putting this really nice title in front of some really, really bad policies, right? So I think as as Republicans and as conservatives, we need to do a better job of saying, of course, we believe in equality. What we don't believe is is this idea that we're going to expose our our young daughters, our young women, uh, to to something that might actually cause some harm in their in, in their in, in their life, right? And this idea of this of this abortion topic, right? You talk to um, you talk to the majority Hispanics, and you'll get some you'll get some different some different answers on on what they believe in women's health and reproductive issues. But something that I think almost every Hispanic that I've spoken to does not agree with taxpayer funded elective abortion in the third trimester. Yet that is what the Democrats are pushing for, right? We're not talking about saving the life of the women, uh, of the mother. We're not talking about if, if the baby's endangered. That's not what the Democrats are really pushing for. They're pushing for elective abortion even in the third trimester. And they can't even acknowledge that, right? But they, but they, they put this idea of women's health reproductive, uh, issues are on the line. Uh, and that causes this emotional stir. Exactly what you're saying, man. So, and Chingo, you, you, they they cause people to vote based on emotion mm-hmm. and not based on actual education or policy, right? I think when when you talk to Hispanics and say, "Look, the Texas Heartbeat Bill actually does protect the mother, right, in cases of 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 death to the mother," but I think we can both agree that no baby should be terminated seconds after birth, which is what the Democrats want. And when you talk to Hispanics, they say, yeah, I agree with that. So there's a lot more common base that we have as Republicans with the Latino community. It's just that we're not doing a good job enough of causing that emotion uh, to some of these policies that the Democrats Mm -hmm. are pushing um, in our community. Yeah, that goes back to like the culture war and persuasion, because you have one side trying to use facts and logic and data, (laughs) which is great. Right. When when you can tell someone right before midterms, uh, go fill up your car. Go shop your groceries so you can remember. Yeah. Remember the lockdowns. Remember parental rights. Remember forced jabs, jab or job. Uh, uh, all these very persuasive things to where if you look at it, you're like, oh, that's compelling. Oh, we got this in a bag. Mm. Red tsunami. Yeah. <laughs> Red wave. Get ready. And then what ends up, what do people end up replying? And a lot of these are bots on Twitter where they're like, oh, yeah. Well, look in your daughter's eyes and tell her that if she's raped and if she's going to die because her fallopian tubes have this and that and, and you're going to deny. And then everyone's, everyone's all, yeah. And it's like, bro, I thought the gas price, the economy, everything. <laughs> I thought everything these people are causing, how they d- literally destroyed. I mean, they're attacking American energy. They won't unleash American energy. All the stuff they're doing, you know, to people's day-to-day lives in terms of like the cost of goods because they're making the the price of the fuel go up they just that's why sometimes i get symbolic where i'm like sometimes i use the word demon (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i go spiritual with it just to get more visual where it's like good versus evil so i bet i bet a lot of these um grown-ass men going into the women's locker rooms i bet that don't fly in lubbock 
right? You, oh, don't, see, you don't see a lot and, of that, you right? Know, and you just hit something really important. And I think that I'm going to be completely honest with you, Chingo. The, the, the problem today is we have so many, and I'm going to get some backlash from this. I already know. We have so many weak pastors and people of faith that are not willing to preach biblical truth from the pulpit and encouraging their congregation not to vote a certain party, but to vote biblical values. And let me tell you why. Here in Lubbock, Texas, probably one of the most conservative cities in all of Texas, last year, well, in 2020, uh, 2021, sorry, Planned Parenthood decided to set up shop here in Lubbock, Texas, right? You would think that the city local lawmakers of Lubbock would say this isn't this isn't what we want. However, our city council and our mayor allowed Planned Parenthood to set up shop here in Lubbock, Texas. Right? What did the citizens of Lubbock do? They didn't they didn't sit back and say, oh well, you know, now that the city ordinance happened, we we can't let anything. Happen. No, what they did is they they we we made a coalition of over two hundred churches, right? And we put an ordinance on the ballot. And that same year, in May, we held an election. And in May of 2021, because 200 churches came together and did a massive campaign, not for a party, but for protecting the unborn, we became the largest city in the country to outlaw abortion. And it wasn't because the Republicans came out. It wasn't because the Democrats came out. It was because 200 pastors had the had the backbone to say, enough is enough. We're not going to let uh, the killing of the unborn happen in our cities. And because of that, we became a city that that protects life, right? Mm. How many cities in Texas, how many cities across this country are negatively affected by bad policies because the pastors aren't bold enough to say, hey, we should value traditional marriage. Hey, we should value protecting the unborn. Hey, we should value the fact that the government should never tell the church when to open, when to close, mm. when you can sing, when you can't sing. The fact that Governor, Governor Newsom from California during the pandemic did uh, did a mandate that if you were caught singing in a church, you could be jailed, Godless. arrested for singing. That is that is the most that is the most aggressive violation to our First Amendment. And yet somehow pastors were like, "Well, that's political. We can't get involved." It, it blows my mind. It blows. My, we would not be in this situation uh, as a country if we had bold pastors mm-hmm. who aren't protecting a party but protecting values that another that that lawmakers want to completely dismantle. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I blame it. I blame it on our faith community. Quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of these leftists are just godless demons. For you know exactly because they they simultaneously said. You can't be bedside at the hospital. You can't attend funerals. You can't have this many people in your house. You can't be singing in the choir. You can't go to church. And then at the same time, it's like, hey, but they're all protesting shoulder to shoulder, no mask. Yeah, but racism takes priority because of that is a thing that and they go to leftists with their wordplay and their godlessness. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I think they or like you said as well, Abraham, they do such a great job of using these words manipulation. And, and, and it's like. Oh, the Republican Party is so, or you know, so old-fashioned. You know, um, yeah. I, 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 I literally, my heart broke um, whenever I read when Abbott won here, and um, um, the comments on there were, "I better go buy up all the Plan B now," and there goes my abortion, and I was like, "Well, what are you doing? Like, you're just like, 
okay, I had sex with someone. Oops, I got pregnant. Let me go get an abortion. Like, I mean, that's irresponsible to begin with. You know what I'm saying? And you're a grown adult. You know what you're doing, If you, especially if you go into bed with someone else as a grown adult, you know? So I, I just, um, I saw this meme the other day and it had nothing to do with abortion, but I follow mom accounts, obviously, because I'm a mom. And it just uh, sure showed the different stages of a baby and in, in, in a mother's stomach. And I said, you know, I told, I told Chingo, I said, you know what would be a great meme to make out of this picture is say, at which stage is it okay to kill the baby? Like I, it, because now you see visual, now you see every stage of you're the fra- baby. Yeah, and it, so yeah. I would like for you to tell me at which stage in this mother's womb, is it okay to kill the baby? And then let's mm-hmm. talk because you're telling me you're going to still allow someone to birth a mo- And that is insane to me. Anybody who's given birth, it yeah. is not easy. So for mm-hmm. you to just be yeah. like, eh, Okay, well, I don't think I want this baby, so go ahead and just do what you got to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. something's going on up here, and it's spreading. Also, my my soul, not to cut you off, but it's something that's important. Women, we need to just really be clear and honest. Women deserve better than an abortion. When the first thing that the government can give a woman as a response to when she's in crisis is abortion, Mm -hmm. what you're really doing is you're setting up that woman, that young girl, that mom, that that was put into a, in, a, in a difficult situation for lifelong trauma. I mean, there, there are stories and there's stats out there of the amount of women that go through an abortion, but live a life of, of depression, live a life of mm-hmm. chronic anxiety because of that one, that one decision that she made based on, on uh, aggression and uh, encouragement from government to tell them that they, they don't deserve to be a mom mm-hmm. I, because of just some, some things that society plays at them. I, I think we need to have a better, a better answer to women. Women deserve better than an abortion. Mm-hmm. And look, I in college, I remember I I um I sat all my friends down because we had this huge debate on who we were gonna vote for. We all turned, we had all turned 18 pretty much at the same time. So it was our very first election back in 2016. And I said, I'm I'm really only voting for one reason, and I that that's pro-life, right? I'm I'm voting for who I know is gonna stand for for standing for the unborn, because that right now that is my my biggest priority. And I remember getting some backlash from some of my friends, specifically the, the girls. They're like, Abraham, well, you're you're a man. I mean, how how can you what kind of conversation can you have about what a woman can and, and can't do? And and I I pretty much shut down for the rest of the year. I was like, wow, can I have a conversation? I don't know, Chingo, if you if you probably have I felt this way like as a man uh can I can I have a conversation in this pro-life pro-life of, of message and then one day in a conference um we were the 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 I, I was invited to speak and the issue of abortion came up and I said you know what I'm going to share a story and and it was a story of, of why I'm pro-life and it's about a young girl who just um was just about to graduate college or high school. Sorry, she's about to graduate high school. And she was put into this very uneasy situation, right? With um, someone she thought she loved. And she became, she became with child, she became pregnant. And because she was underage, the counselor, you know, uh, recommended her to go to this, to this clinic to do a checkup. Mm -hmm. And her older, her older brother, you know, drove her to the clinic and she had the whole checkup. And right afterwards, you know, the physician, the doctor walked in and really nice with a big smile. And she patted her on, 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 you know, on her knee. And she said, I, 
I'm sorry for the, the kind of situation that you find yourself in, but here, here's a blank piece of paper. And I want you to write down all of your dreams, all your goals, all your aspirations. And so for a quick minute, this young girl kind of was transported into this place of, of hope and change, right? Mm. So she quickly started writing, I want to be a mom. I want to get married. I want to have a family. I want to start a business. I want to be successful. I want to give back to my community. I want to help my parents. Um, and she handed back that paper back to her doctor, really excited to what this doctor was going to say, because she she thought that for, for just a quick second, there was one person that was actually going to be there to help her. And the doctor, you know, she picked, she read the, the paper and she went through every bullet point out loud. And then she ripped that paper into shreds. And she said that, that is what's going to happen to all of your dreams and all of your goals if you continue and you carry this baby. <laughs> and immediately that young girl's dreams just went crashing down along with those papers down to the ground. And this, this doctor sits right next to her and she pats her again and she says, but don't worry, there is still one opportunity that you can, that you can choose. There's one choice that you can have um, to accomplish all of those dreams. You can still do all of that mm. if you do this. And she pulls out a pamphlet and she starts walking towards mm. walking uh, through her, her options of abortion. Now, this young girl had never thought of an abortion. She didn't even know what this was. This was the first time actually hearing what abortion was, what it, what it was going to do. And she grabbed the pamphlet. She went back home and she, she told her parents what happened. And her parents hugged her. And with tears in their face, they said, this is not what you're going to do. Mm. This is not what we, what we encourage. This is not what we raised you to do. Now, I want to fast forward because it's a long story. The young girl chose life. She gave birth to her child. And she accomplished every single thing on mm. that piece of paper. Rich she child. went to college on time. She graduated. Of course, she was like working three, three, four times jobs. Um, she married um, an amazing man that she started a family with. But something that's really important is that she realized if she wasn't going to step in and start activating and mobilizing uh, uh, lawmakers who actually are for women and not anti-women because she realized that that doctor was anti-her. She didn't believe that she could do it. Instead of giving her resources that allowed her to be a mom and accomplish all those dreams, she wanted to push her into a choice that was going to give her lifetime trauma. So she spent her whole life, she has spent her whole life being a pro-life advocate. Um, you know, President Trump acknowledged her her work within the Hispanic community, specifically young Hispanic women. And she became the, um, uh, uh, the Hispanic advisor to his campaign. And she also chaired the largest Hispanic Republican organization in the country where she doubled the Hispanic vote for President Trump back in 2020. Mm. Now, I say that story because to start off with, I said, well, where's my where's my where's my voice as a man in this in this in this pro-life movement? But that that young girl was my mom mm. and that child that she gave birth to is me. No, sure. So that is my story. That is my reason as to why I'm pro-life. And just because I'm a man, just because just because I, I I was born a different gender that maybe doesn't reproduce in the way that women did, that doesn't give me much less of a fighting chance in this pro-life uh, war that we have going on, right? So that's what we have to start doing, Mighty So is we have to start putting testimony. We have to start putting stories out there as to why we are pro-life. Damn, bro. We, we don't want to leave women behind. We yeah. want to support them, get behind them, rally them, and show them that they deserve more than an abortion. Yo, you're like John Connor. <laughs> what a great story. That was a really good story. Your mama's Sarah Connor. <laughs> Thank you. But you know what, man? That doctor, and, and I'm going to use these terms because... Um, it took me 43 years to arrive at the point where now I view things through this filter and it fits for me. 
that doctor was like a um, manipulative demon, yeah. <laughs> basically, right? Um, it, you can look at all the story, your life, your life and your mother's story <coughs> as like spiritual warfare. What they were yeah. doing, the way they were attacking women's psyche, it's like spiritual yeah. warfare. It's definitely like a demonic force to manipulate that way. And um, I, I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas, Harris County. All I know is big city. And I'm used to like, oh, there's graffiti. And of course, there's going to be some smog and pollution. And you can't see the stars at night. And, you know, <laughs> and some of the stuff you see in the rap videos, it's like, oh, you know, it makes sense because, you know, that's, 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 the, that's the ethos. That's the aura. Now, now I look at it like I, I, I kind of get disgusted. I, you know, I love Houston. Don't get me wrong. There's like some great stuff about Houston. But it's a little disgusting to know that Planned Parenthood has the biggest, their biggest uh, location is right here in Houston, Texas. Where you grew up. Yeah, headquarters. Uh, literally down the street from where I grew up, yeah. And um, when you just look at the amount of like negativity and despair and, and obviously a lot of this stuff stems from poverty and drugs when you see like prostitution and the pimping and like the broken, broken souls. And I, I'm going to go back to that language of like, broken spirits and and you see some of these druggies and criminals and some of the murderers it's like they're possessed demons and and now when i look at some of these rap videos on youtube where they're flashing guns and this this and that and they're showing off and they're saying crazy stuff and it's like bro how many rappers die all the time it's like oh no r.i.p and then everybody goes and continues to rap about the same stuff remember the video in front of Planned parenthood yeah, yeah, there was, it went viral. Lady yeah. was saying, uh, "I got murder on my mind." Yeah. Well, talk, talk here's the pinch. other thing, though, and I think the problem um, is that um, again, um, the other party has done a very good job of making women think that we have to include everybody in this whole female group. Um, we're the feminists now, you know, and uh, I have a big problem with that. I am very offended at the fact that uh, you know you're going to tell me I have to accept. Listen, I will respect you and call you Sarah, Susan, whatever it is you want to be called. But at the end of the day, you do not remotely, even for a little bit, know what it's like to be a woman, even if you take hormones. I don't care what it is. Uh, I, I saw this video the other day, and it was the perfect video that I've ever seen. It's like a man will never know what a woman goes through if she has ovarian cancer, if she gets breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the different things that women deal with, hormone issues, you know what I'm saying? Women who can't have babies, you know, infertility. All those things are things that emotionally a woman goes through, and a man will never know. No matter what hormones you take, no matter what you chop off, you'll never know what it's like to be a true woman. So, a number two genders is what she's trying to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you yeah. know, you could get dressed up, you could be made up, whatever you want to do. My problem with women right now is a, you silly goose. Like, how, how, how can you even allow. A man to come into our world, you you you're saying it's okay for them to compete with us. While for so long women fought for being what being able to have women's sports, you know, for so long women wanted to be recognized, and now you're letting a man come into the woman's. I'm so confused as to what it is that you want, women. Like you're you're totally doing and accepting the total opposite of what so many women fought for uh, for so many years you know and i just 
I can't get it. Th- that was my biggest issue. Like, it, it, and it's like, listen, I'll call you what you want, but you're not me and you're never going to be a woman. I don't care what. And then I hate when people say, well, what about women who can't have babies? Uh, you know, that's like a man that, or when a man can no. have a baby. No, sir. So you let, cannot. Let me ask you this. Would you argue that it's most, mostly godless women who go along with this charade? I mean, they have to be. Uh, I, I know. I don't really even think that. I don't think you have to be godless. I just think you've lost or your sense. Or they go sense. to a woke church. I think you've just lost your sense of what of what femi- like being a feminist is because now there's radical feminist there's like ext- you know there's extreme but then you ha- you they forgot what being a woman is to where it's like well I don't want anybody to think that I'm a bad person because you think they forgot biology 101 <laughs> no backbone 100% just, just backbones. no backbone yeah it's just like you just allowed someone to uh, you know like parents well, it, pay it, it's, so it's much kind money. of yeah, it's kind of hypocritical, Monica. Don't you think that like totally. the women who are out there shouting the lo- the loudest, like down with the patriarchy, and uh, you know the patriarchy is the reason why women are behind, and yet those same women are the ones that are allowing men to take over their sports, to take over their pageants, take over womanhood, right? Silly goose. So it's like <laughs> it's kind of hypocritical. Like e- either either you're for women, or or you're not. You you can't shout down with the patriarchy and let men come in and just completely rerun and, and overturn everything that you know is womanhood. That's like, that's very hypocritical, right? Our, I think our founding mothers that, that that paved so much room for women's rights, for, for voting rights, they're probably rolling in their graves exactly. right now knowing that just a week ago, a man won a, a, a Miss USA beauty exactly. pageant. Exactly, like, a man. Where, where, where did we get to that? Where did we get to that? And, right? and, and women critical. applauding them. And then the women in the back smiling in the picture. I'm like, I can't even. Yeah. I can't even accept the fact that y'all are smiling. <laughs> y'all should be pissed. They're all y'all misled should be youth. Mad. They're misled youth, though. They're yeah, all teenagers, I mean, but they should be yeah. mad. I want to tie it back but, in. Mm-hmm. Go, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, and I think that that leads to a bigger conversation of how when you really look at it, and this is this is how I get my family members who are, who are who think that they're Democrat, but they're really the Republicans, is liberals don't even follow their own policies, right? They don't. So if liberals, if Democrats don't even believe in their own policies, why should why should you, right? And let, let's the the women's issue is is one issue. They 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 shout down with the patriarchy, yet let men run everything about women. Right. Do we remember when the Democrats were on this huge campaign of defund the police? Mm-hmm. This election cycle, all of them were like, no, 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 no. We never said defund the police. That was the Republicans. We want to increase police budgets. We want to increase police force because after a while they saw, wait, all of these cities that actually defunded the police. What happened? Crime, Crime went, went completely high. Do we not remember when all of these really big cities and states did sanctuary cities, right, for for undocumented immigrants. As soon as uh, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis started busing and, and flying some of these migrants to sanctuary cities where their laws allow for undocumented immigrants to relieve some of the cities in the Rio Grande Valley of, of how much influx of immigration we're having, what happened less than 48 hours in Martha's Vineyard, the, the Coast Guard went in or uh, the National Guard went in and and ex uh, you know uh, took those migrants somewhere else, right? Like they don't even follow their own laws. Mm-hmm. Yet the the cities in the Rio Grande Valley they can't do that. Yeah. They can't send those immigrants anywhere. They're they're forced 
to, to stay there. So the defund the police, the, the womenhood, the sanctuary cities, right? Like the list goes on and on and on. When you really look at it, these, these climate fighters that believe in green energy are flying all over the world in private jets, uh, doing more CO2 levels than any, than any other, you know, uh, individual probably in the country. Liberals don't even follow their own policy. So why should we believe that they're going to make, you know, everyone uh, understand how their policies work, right? Like, why should we follow their policies if they don't even follow their policies? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bigger picture, right? Mm-hmm. That we need to really look at hey, the voting hey, community. Hey, Abraham, uh, producer Rob here in the background. Uh, I don't want to let you go uh, from this hour before you ex- kind of expand yeah. upon your uh, bienvenido. So everything that we've talked about, how does it tie into your organization? And I guess so the listeners know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. So in 2018, I just graduated college um, and I was doing some work for for our family business, but I still had this really strong itch to uh, stay involved. And because I saw that our Hispanic community didn't didn't have much, much outreach. Right. And so I joined a Republican organization and my job was pretty simple, was to fly around the country and talk about why the Republican Party was going to be the best party for Hispanics. And I thought, easy, easy job. It was the hardest job I've ever had because in 2018, when I was flying around the country saying you should vote Republican, young Latinos were like, no, absolutely not. But they believed in everything that I was saying. They believed in this pro-life, pro-free markets, pro-secure border. Like they, they understood that it was just because it was a, the Republican word that they didn't, they didn't want to, they didn't want to follow along. So I said, okay, let me, let me take this back and let me do basically the exact same thing but through a different word. So instead of saying Republican, what if we did a more pro-Hispanic word? And so that's where me and a couple of friends came together and we created Bienvenido. We did an event in Houston, a very successful event where over 200 young Hispanics came out and we were just always spoke about was values um, and voting for those values. And more than half of the people that attended voted registered to vote Republican for the first time. We did the same thing in downtown LA where 700 Hispanics showed up again, a number of them uh, registered for the first time. We did the same thing in Miami and uh, we just grew. That's how we grow. As an organization, we've grown to be an organization that that puts values before uh, party, right? Uh, and so that's all we want to do. We want to go and want to expose the uh, principles of limited government, principles of free markets, principles of self-independence uh, to young Hispanics. And we feel like once they know what's at hand, once they know the real issues, well, they, they, they decide pretty wisely on which candidates defend those values over the other. Uh, and in less than three years, um, our uh, outreach in primarily Arizona, Texas, and Florida, we've seen just how influential we've been. We've been. Uh, look, I mean, look, Florida, I have some stats here that I think we should all be proud of. Uh, in Florida, uh, we saw that huge red wave happen. But let's not for, forget about Arizona, how 47% of the state's Hispanic voting is for a 10-point improvement of how the Democrats did in the last midterm elections. Here in Texas, uh, which I think we should be really, really happy, Texas District 15, Monica de la Cruz flipped a historic blue district, mm-hmm. which she won, uh, and she made a 93% Hispanic Hidalgo County by five points, meaning she won outright 93, but she gave five points to the Republican Party. In Texas District 28, Cassie Garcia turned out the best performance ever for a Republican Congress candidate in Texas District 28. And then, of course, we saw Myra Flores with the redistricting. Obviously, the, the, the outcome didn't look right, didn't look what we wanted to. However, she cut the Democrats' advantage point for a, a Biden plus 16 district 
to less than that. I think it's at about like a like an eight or seven now. So I think we should be very, very proud of our efforts. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants to join in our community of Bienvenido, they can go to www.bienvenido.us or follow any of our social media accounts at bienvenido.us and we'll be happy to let them join. Well, keep up, keep up the great work. We uh, I saw you were featured on the MSNBC uh, piece as well with uh, La Hija de Jorge Ramos, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, which... I think that we, uh, you know, I had a really, really good conversation with Paola. I think she's she's really nice. Uh, and I want to thank her and, and the mainstream media that are giving conservative Hispanics a shot at, at going out there and saying this is why I'm, I'm, I'm Hispanic. But something that I learned through that that docuseries is we have a generation, Chingo, that um, and Marisol that are so thirsty and they're so hungry for reason and for truth. And they're running to politics for 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 that food right they're running to to politics to to fulfill that satisfaction without realizing that that's the wrong thing i mean politics is never going to give you that satisfaction or that gift of of fulfillment you have to stand on something moral and something right mm. in order for mm. you to fulfill yourself mm. and i think as leaders and as people with influence like yourself chingo and marisol it's important to teach this next generation of voting uh, of a voting generation, like, hey, politics and a party, they're never going to give you satisfaction. You have to figure out what your values are first in order for you to really stand on something bold, right? Uh, young people vote a certain way, not because they know that's the right thing for them to do or or that the candidates are doing something good. It's because those candidates are making their sin a lot more comfortable, Right. Mm-hmm. So when candidates who are pushing for this far extreme values and policies, it's not because the voters actually believe that those things are right. It's because those candidates are making them feel good about the things that they're doing that ultimately equal bad actions. Right. And I'm not we're not we're not saying this in a, in a judgmental way. We're saying that in this life. We are always going to fail, right? The second that you realize that you're not perfect and that you're going to have ups and downs, that's the best place to be in life because now you can no longer say that this battle is all yours. You can give it to a higher calling. You can give it to God Mm -hmm. to fight those battles. And when you put God over a candidate, your life is going to be so much better. When your views and your values and your fulfillment come from God and not from a political candidate, you're you're not going to care what people comment on your social media posts, what your what your coworkers say about your political views. You're not going to care because your fulfillment comes from something way bigger than an elected uh, two term, three term, four term congressman, congresswoman. That's not going to be there in a couple of years, right? Amen. But guess who is God? And so, how you vote should be according to what you truly care for. Are you going to have ups and downs? Absolutely. Are you going to fail? Absolutely. Are you going to fall down and flat on your face sometimes? Yes. That doesn't mean that you're a, a bad person and an imperfect person. That means you're an imperfect person who have found perfect salvation in Christ. Put that in Christ and not in a candidate, and your whole life is going to be a whole lot better. I promise you. That, hey, that, somebody give this yeah, a right, 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 right now for this. You, you, pretty, you pretty much encapsulated everything I was yes. trying to say, and, and you're absolutely right. There is a hunger for order and structure and truth. And, you know, based in reality, meanwhile, the demonic forces out there are packaging uh, virtue signaling signaling and scientism. They're replacing God with like, 
you know, the virtue and, and empathy and diversity, equity, inclusion and, and women's health, reproductive rights and all these things that, you know, uh, uh, girl power, be single, have 10 cats, uh, uh, 10, 15 abortions. And trust me, trust me, ladies, you're going to be fulfilled. It's yeah. like, no, you're not. And I, I've, I've arrived at the point where like, like I was saying earlier, Harris County and some of this stuff and some of this just big city sin, right? And I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, I'm trying to preach at people, but like I'm hungering. I have a thirst for like, I want to be in a county in an area where people kind of are on the same page in terms of, hey man, we ain't with all this crazy, crazy, uh, like you said, uh, they're finding comfort in their sin. Mm-hmm. That's Harris County, and then and I'm I'm kind of <laughs> opposite of that. I feel like I want to be there because I feel that I can hopefully help fight. influence other women that I maybe meet at my daughter's swim class, or maybe you know when I'm at waiting for her at ballet or whatever it is. You know, you have conversations with people, and then I feel like okay, this is my opportunity. We need to talk about this because you know they're they're the best way to get to your children is through the schools, right? But if you have mm-hmm. a community of mothers or parents that come together, guess what? That's not going to happen. And unfortunately, they go first for who? The city kids, you know? And so then I, I, I sometimes feel like a hypocrite because my child doesn't go to public school. <laughs> but um, I would like to be able to It's too help dangerous. Don't, to help th- in the public school system, you know, mm-hmm. where I come yeah. in and it's like let me do my let me go fight for these other single mothers, you know, who work three, four jobs and and can't yeah. make it to the school meetings, can't make it to the PTA meetings or whatever it is to fight against whatever they're not for, you know? And so I feel like that's how I would prefer to participate. And then when I feel like I've done enough community work then i'll peace out and then i'll be like okay if you didn't get it by now i don't know what to tell you (laughs) education is such an important thing specifically in big in big cities like you know where you're at in houston and i think we should be fighting to allow kids to be kids in their school kids shouldn't have to worry about the dangers of being exposed to drugs or or violent actions or or being scared of being taught something that that met, might go against their family tradition. So the fight, the fight is is, is there. I want to be selfish, and I want to say both of you pick up and come up to Lubbock, <laughs> where you where you would be so so widely accepted. Um, but honestly, Chingo, what your wife is doing, what Marisol is saying, is so true. We have to we have to go to the areas that that make us uncomfortable. We have to go to the areas that stretch us a little bit in order for us to save the generation of the next of the next youth that are coming up, right? In order for them to, to, to have a fighting chance at being okay in this world, we have to stick, stick in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know we're, we're, we're short for time, but before we go, I, I actually have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, in Texas, one out of every five voters is Hispanic in Arizona and Nevada. Uh, Hispanics are one fifth of the electorate, right? I said at the beginning of the show, I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it. People, candidates, they cannot win without the Hispanic vote. Jingo and Marisol, what made you guys say enough is enough? We're going to step in and we're actually going to go in and campaign with some of these candidates um, uh, that are Republican. Uh, Jingo, I think with, overnight you became one of the biggest surrogates for 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 a candidate. And I think it's only going to get bigger bigger from there. I think people should want Jingo to endorse them. I think people should want Jingo to join them on the campaign trail. But that comes with a little bit of exclusivity. How, how do you manage to say, okay, yes, this candidate I want to help. 
this, these are the values that I want to, you know, uh, support, but more importantly, what made you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to expose myself as a conservative. How did you, as a couple, how did you guys come up with that decision? Do you want to answer that? Um. (laughs) Well, uh, I mean, obviously little by little, I started to understand how the battlefield was being played. I saw the media manipulation, the, the, you know, the hoaxing, the taking, taking stuff out of context. They were painting all Republicans as Nazis and the Hitler this, and they're a fascist cult and their main leader, the orange one, you know, he wants to deport, whatever. Well, little by little, I started to to realize, wait a minute, this, this is all like, you know, this is the party that's closing the businesses, locking everybody down. I, I saw the chaos, disorder and destruction, you know, during the summer of love. <laughs> Meanwhile, they get on TV and gaslight you. Um, yeah. And really, a lot of people, a lot of people who kind of prejudge me and they think they're mind readers, you know, they're just like, oh, you're a hypocrite. You did a 180. Whatever happened to all the they can't deport us all stuff. And you made your career off of, <laughs> off of La Raza. And all of a sudden, you're a bootlicker. You want to be white so bad. You're a coconut race trader, yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, I've always pride, prided myself in just being honest and transparent and standing on something, you know, and, I, and it would have been phony to go on and to continue to promote something that I knew was uh, a road to destruction. You know, just when I started being presented with new information as to what's really happening at the border, like in terms of fentanyl and trafficking of women and kids and what happens. And, and then Monica took us on a tour. Monica de la yeah. Cruz. Monica de la Cruz took Cruz, us on a yeah. And that was... What is happening? Yeah, we 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 took yeah. a boat. We took a boat ride. Yeah, and that um, was the. I there, think. there were helicopters and things. We saw some things, and I, and how 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 many mainstream media networks are going to show you what's going on at the border? Right. I mean, we were doing more work than CNN was doing because yeah. we were actually. Yeah. And then I I posted the stuff on my Instagram of like raft after raft and just behind the bushes you just see you know people lining up in the coyotes and and it was just like. Doop, 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 just all day long, like nothing, like nothing. Where y'all coming from? Oh, we're coming from here. Cuanto, you know, cuanto tiempo? Oh, those meses, you know, Venezuela. You know, they're saying, how many? Oh, we have a pregnant one on here. There's a, there's a couple kids. And I posted some of that stuff on Instagram. And of course, some people, some people are like, oh, you're using these people as a prop. You just want clout. Uh, you're treating them like zoo animals. And, and I'm like, okay, in a perfect world, you know, I understand these people are going through a tough journey. You know, I don't want to just stick my cell phone in their face and be like, look, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trespassing. Nothing like that. But at the same time, it's like you guys, the way I was, you guys are not aware to the actual harsh realities that people on the border, people in Mexico, they're experiencing. They're like, hey, it's affecting us, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just had to... um stand stand strong yeah i think it affected us um to where um i'm i'm like your your grandparents i think you said were products of reagan right yeah that my parents are as well and so growing up that's there was no better greater president than reagan and so my parents were conservative and uh or are and uh i was raised super religious i was raised pentecostal and my dad was a co-pastor of the church my mom was uh you know the secretary of the church so 
all those morals and beliefs and uh, that were always there. I think I was just fighting them for so long. Um, and I just didn't want to face it. That's really what I was because I was just always arguing with my parents. You know, it was like, how dare y'all, you know, be against immigrants when you're immigrants yourselves, you know, and that was always like my argument with them. And, you know, uh, we never saw eye to eye. And, um, little by little, as this was all happening, um, I've told the story a gazillion times, but everything that I saw happening on the news was like a scary movie that they used to show at church. And it was the coming of God. And exactly what I saw yeah. happening on the news was the movie that was played at church that I thought, oh my God, why are y'all showing this to people? They're never going to want to come to our church. But I never in a million years thought I'd be living it. Like I never thought I'd be seeing it firsthand, something that I thought was fake and over exaggerated and, you know, just over the top. And now I was literally seeing it on TV. It was the most craziest thing ever. And then, uh, our producer Rob was the one that said you are way more conservative than you really think. No, I'm not Rob. Why would you say that about me? Yeah. You know, I'm still arguing with him about it. And I'm a good person. I'm, I'm a, a Democrat. Yeah. I'm like, that's <laughs> not true. Yeah. And so then, you know, um, you know, then Chingo just, you know, would I started red pilling her a little bit. Yeah. Well, what, what it's funny that even in a marriage, right. You kind of just don't talk. I was already following, um, uh, what do they call uh, the right wing? Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA. Oh, yeah. And because they came up on the popular uh, feed or whatever. And I was like, what is that? And and I, what caught my eye was that it said, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter because we don't know if any of these videos will be seen. And I thought, oh, my God, what kind of garbage are they going to tell people? Let me sign up for their stupid newsletter. And then I would <laughs> be reading all these things in the newsletter. And yeah. I was like what what's happening and then chingo came to me he's like did you know that and i'm like yeah i actually was reading this newsletter but we weren't either one kind of weren't communicating yet about like what our like process because we shift. were processing everything to be honest with yeah. you because this affected us work-wise really bad you and know what still i'm saying to this day. and still is still to this day you know um, um you know where uh you know in in uh, odessa uh, when you perform there, we had some people calling in asking to cancel the show. Um, you like know, you're not allowed. You're not allowed here. Way, you know, basically. and um, we got a lot of that for uh, for a little while. You know, and so uh, we're gonna you know cancel you, and you know we're gonna call this place and make sure you and no one else ever gets to perform here again. You know, and that's when I started to see oh. I said, uh, this is the kind of fight we're about to have. And then, it's like, oh, all of a sudden, the uh, the inclusive left yeah, is uh, and so attacking I was just us. Like, yeah, this is not, um, you know, and, and like I said, I, I grew up Pentecostal. I believe in God. So I said, oh, yeah. So see, there's there's somebody higher than you. So I just can't. I let it affect me for a little bit. And I was just kind of like, oh, my God, how much more of this is going to continue to happen? Oh, well, the like, onslaught of I mean, bots and It was just, just continuous and continuous. And all these DMs to the point where I just started having fun with it. And when people like, you know, would say, I can't believe this and I'm unfollowing you, I would say, thank you so much for following me for as long as you did. I hope that you come back one day. And then, you know, it was like that. And then I just started having fun with it. I just had to let it go, yeah. you know, because 
I wasn't going to let someone um, make me feel different or make me feel bad because, you know, this is not, I don't agree don't, with you. Because you, you don't know? believe in 86 genders. Yeah, I don't believe in 86 genders. <laughs> I don't, you know, think that it's okay for men to be in, I mean, I have three girls, three I can't imagine this man walking in with his stuff hanging in a dressing room. And now my daughter is going to have to accept that. I don't think so. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's not but something. Because equality, yeah. because Democrats want equality. We have to, we have to accept that. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's devastating. So I grew up Pentecostal as well. Oh, okay. I consider myself. Yeah. So I, I, I know, I know that the, that world very well. And I think it prepares you a little bit because mm-hmm. you, I don't know, maybe I thought it was just my grandparents, but hearing hearing your church experience, it's like it teaches you these like real world issues that are at hand. So right off the bat, you're kind of like God over government, mm-hmm. no matter what. Like that's what that faith teaches you. Oh, but I didn't know that. Going based on what you're what you're saying, Marisol, is we're I consider us the lucky ones that kind of were exposed to conservative principles very early on. Can you imagine how many Hispanic voters are out there that don't even they don't even know the true difference. They mm-hmm. truly believe what the Democrats say about how Republicans are racist and they want they're a threat to democracy and they want to, you know, cut resources mm-hmm. for women's health. And, and they, they they believe this nonsense. And, and look, we did a poll. Spanish speaking Hispanics are in a totally different world than English speaking Hispanics. Exactly. English speaking Hispanics that get their news from English speaking sources are both more conservative than Spanish-speaking Hispanics. So this world of Spanish language mm-hmm. is feeding them so many incorrect things. And I think that's what we, we kind of have this, uh, you know, I call it the privilege to go out there and say that we're going to be the ones exposing the truth to our community because if they don't hear it from you guys, then, then who else are they going to hear it? Mm-hmm. And it's not even about advocating for one candidate over the other. It's it's basically the, the simple truth. Under, under this administration, under progressive leadership, Democrats have had more, I mean, Hispanics have had more setbacks than any other administration in four decades. Under the last administration, under conservative administration, over a million Latinas entered the workforce. 1.5 million Hispanics were lifted out of poverty. More young Hispanics graduated from from high school because of, of school funding through the initiatives of the last administration. And more small businesses, more Hispanic small businesses opened because of the tax regulatory agenda. So you would tell me which administration I would much rather have, mm-hmm. the conservative or the progressive. Much more the, the, the conservative, but Hispanics don't even know, don't even know those accomplishments mm-hmm. that we've had under the conservative leadership. So it's up to us to say, hey, look, let's take the word Republican and Democrat out of the out of the picture. Let's even take the word Trump and Biden out. Let's just look at the record and see what they've done. And then you be the deciding factor. 10 out of 10 times, I promise you, people will go with conservative leadership because mm-hmm. conservative leadership is what has set our, our community, um, you know, in front of uh, challenges for time after time. We just have to get better at explaining those ideas to, to our community because MSNBC, CNN, Telemundo Univision for sure are not you know, shouting those differences it's at a, all, yeah. right? At all. I was just telling my producer, that's a clip. I was trying <laughs> yeah, to let him know. For sure. that, that Everything you laid out in terms of the c- compare and contrast, and when you said um, the setbacks we've had w- within our community from uh, from being up under this progressive leadership, to me, I'm as we sit here and discuss this, I'm starting to think 
that another word for progressive is just godless. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It's like they're getting further and fur- they're progressing further away from yeah. something that's old school and traditional and more like based on government is our God. Government yeah. is our God. You look at, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you get, you get a Southern, you get a Southern Republican candidate and a coastal elite Democrat. And you talk, you see how they talk. One will tell you that government should be limited and that your rights come from God. Democrats will say your rights come from government and government's going to protect those rights. Oh, yeah. What? I don't want my rights coming from. I said that to Paula Ramos on MSNBC. My rights do not come from government. They come from God. Our founding fathers put in our Declaration of, De- of Independence that there are unalienable rights that are God given because they knew that if they put that the government gave us those rights, we we probably wouldn't even be sitting here having this conversation today. God knows where America would have gone, right? Democrats believe in government superiority over God. And how do we know that? You look at Kamala Harris, you look at Stacey Abrams, you look at Cory Booker, you look at all of these political leaders who have said, who have quoted scripture, who have quoted scripture to say why why women should be killing babies. That That is the most dangerous thing for a politician to do is to use scripture to 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 give a green light to a sin that those are the kind of the wolves and sheep closing that the bible talks to us about right and so I, I mean we have right now we have a senator from georgia who is a pastor who who claims to be a pro choice pastor they're not even hiding it anymore at this point back then do you remember what john f kennedy was president when he was a democrat who believed in the second amendment who believed in protecting the unborn who believed in um cutting uh taxes like there was a time where democrats believed in basic human rights right they're not even hiding it anymore like i said this that you know i think generation after generation hispanics used to say well i'm a democrat these aren't jfk democrats we're talking about anymore right Mm -hmm. they've gone so far left they don't even believe in God anymore. And if they do believe in God, they're ridiculing scripture to cover up their sins. Mm-hmm. That's not Christ-minded to me, right? So That is another clip. <laughs> that is another clip. Um, I, I feel that uh, moving forward, because we have to try to navigate. Like, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, ever since I opened up my big mouth about politics, there's been a lot of positive <laughs> stuff. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, thanks for yeah. Man, finally, bro, we, we were waiting on you or like, or whatever. But also, we've been taking just a lot of hits, just like, you know, all of a sudden venues are being strange towards us and, you know, things like that. It's, you know, they're trying to put the pressure on us in terms of like punish us, you know, per se. But as we as we discuss this and we try to figure out moving forward how, like Marisol described, I don't, I want to stay in the fight. I want to talk to the women. I want to have this network. I want to be in the community. I want to inform people about what's going on in the education. We got to protect our kids and so on. I feel like God has to take the front seat. Like God has, that's it. You got to like everything you just said, like we're going to be better off as a community if, if we frame things in this way versus like in terms of these people, government is their God. Mm-hmm. Like some people don't really think about that. They don't really realize that. And then families like the dads, I want to help, you know, obviously continue to try to be the best husband and dad that I could be, <laughs> but also try to encourage others, whether it's through podcasting or music or whatever else we're trying to do, whether it's a short film or a film, whatever, 
I want to continue to challenge and encourage and promote the idea that, like, fellas, we got to man up. We got we to gotta be the man of the house. Obviously, that comes from the Bible as well. But, like, the dads have to step it up. Like, the families have to be strong. And if not, these godless progressives with their crazy ideas, they're getting so progressively away from the truth that they're ruining every goddamn thing. <laughs> Excuse my language. Yeah. And, <laughs> and in the Bible, well, yeah. I mean, if, if like somebody just, well, I guess somebody, I or one of us, right, took the time to... Um, just show you what the role of the man is in the Bible. You know, it tells you in the Bible what the role of the man and the woman and the child and, you know, and the unity is as a family, you know, and um, I think that's what's been forgotten is the unity of a family. And uh, it's okay now to, you know, have two moms and maybe there might be a dad here and there or, you know, your mom is transgender man. Or they have an open relationship. You know, an, you know and it's like, how <laughs> i'm telling you again yeah, no, i always I'm, say this is it's like i never in a million years thought the videos they were showing in my church i was going to be living <laughs> it because i just thought it was so over the top and it yeah. trips me out when i see life and that these videos i mean and we're talking I'm, I'm way older than you um and so my videos came in a big projector. So we're talking about old school where they used to put a whole thing on there and it would flash. And I used to be sitting there at church next to my dad, just thinking, all right, dad, well, I just, I guess I have to agree with what you're saying. Too because much fire this and is too much. You. Like I felt it was too much. If you didn't grow up in it, I felt always like it was too much for people, yeah. you know, yeah. unless you were raised in it, then you'd understand, you know? And, yeah. uh, so for me, it was always like, okay, so if we're having a, a campaign or a retreat, a church retreat, church retreat, and you have new people there. And the first thing they would do was bring out this video. I used to always be like, well, there goes the chances of that person ever wanting to accept God Damn, as they a savior. Oh, I was they're like, getting the projector. You just, they, yeah, exactly. You're getting the projector. How are we there supposed to go. save souls? Y'all over here scaring souls. But, um, but you know what, uh, sir, <laughs> man, um, you have really, I'm sorry, about that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, he's asking what you said. Oh yeah. No, I was going to say brother that like really props to you. You have a great way of encapsulating and putting into words everything that's kind of been floating around in my head and we're blessed enough to be mature enough and wise enough to understand that our daughters we have to i'm, I'm gonna use the word drag right but they like going to church mm -hmm. but like we have to drag them to church like we have to be consistent we have to keep them in that environment we have to it's like the way i look at it is like the more you fill your house and their lives and their brains with this good positive structure you're leaving less room for the woke rhetoric and the ideology and the progressive and you don't need no man girl and all this cosmopolitan <laughs> yeah. uh, uh just a bunch of backwards stuff that makes no sense that they're bullying them yeah. to believe in yeah and you know going back to what marisol was talking about a little bit about or, or what you were talking about Ching, actually about being a man and we talked a little bit earlier about how uh, the left really wanted to dismantle everything about about women. We don't talk nearly enough about what they're trying to do to men, yeah. right? This idea that government's going to provide for you, you know, it's taken away from the pride of our work. You know, my grandpa, my dad, they, they taught me to be honor the sweat that that you, that comes from your brow, right? Like your hard work is your pride. Like you you provide for your family, and government wants to get com get complete rid of that, right? 
A man is supposed to be confident. A man is supposed to lead his family. A man is supposed to be able to guide his family to the right directions. Nowadays, if you, if you say things like that to the left, that's like toxic masculinity, yeah. which is like a complete attack on Mexican culture, right? Mexican culture teaches you to be this macho man that is going to, is going to protect your family. It's going to, you know, provide for your family. And, uh, you know, that, that is a direct attack on Hispanic culture. I mean, if Hispanics are still looking at one reason why to not move to the left, it's because they hate your dad. They hate your abuelo. <laughs> they hate your tío. They hate your brother, right? Because they're men. They do not want your, the men in your life to be men. So if that's the only reason, because I mean, we love family, Hispanics love their family. If there's one reason why you should reject the left's idea and, 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 and rhetoric is because they, as a left, they hate the men in your life. They do not want to see those strong men be strong. They don't want to see those men provide for you. They want you to be dependent on the government and not the men in your life. And, and our culture, our Hispanic culture, specifically the Mexican-American culture and really every Latin culture teaches men to, to, to grow up and to defend and to provide. And today the left hates that. The left knows that's the only thing that's standing in their way from completely dismantling the family nucleus is Hispanic men, honestly. Mm. It's, it's, it's what's left. It is what is left from completely uh, overtake of family values. So if Hispanic men do not stand up and 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 fight the way our our parents and our grandparents taught us to fight. Oh yeah, our, our I I think everyone in the Hispanic lineage has someone that fought in the American Revolution or the Battle of the Alamo. Like we were taught to 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 pick up arms and to fight. This is our fight. It might not be a physical fight. It's a cultural fight, mm. right? So you and I, Chingo, we need to realize that men need to prepare for this culture fight because we are the only thing that is standing in the way of the left completely dismantling family homes across this country. Mm -hmm. Hispanic men are. And I truly believe that. And we will put on the full armor of God. You know what I'm saying? That's why, hey brother, that's why I do jujitsu. That's why I watch Yellowstone. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, (laughs) hey dude, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for for what you do. Uh, That last thing you you just spit right now, that's a clip. Uh, That needs to go viral. (laughs) The fellas need to wake up. We need to man up. Um, and again, thank you for just like putting into words, like all this stuff that's just been like, I don't know how to put into words. I saw you was on the MSNBC thing. And I was like, who is this person? How come I haven't seen him? I'm like literally on your, I'm trying to find you on Instagram. I'm like, man, I can't find him. Why can I find him? I went there, I went there. And then I finally, um, asked, uh, my, uh, podcast assistant. I said, Hey, I said, can you please do me a favor? I found this person. See if they'd be willing to come on. I said, because man, do more Hispanics need to hear him speak. And I'm so glad that you're out there doing the work that you're doing and um, and and involving God in everything that you're doing, because I think that's most important, like we said. So thank you so much. We have for, to. Yeah. Well, thank sure. you both for the invitation. I hope it won't be the last one. For sure. Um, I hope you two can get plugged into being many others. So many young Hispanics I know would love to to see you both. And listen, I, I, I find it, I've, I've gotten the privilege to meet some amazing people in my life, but I always find it such a joy uh, to meet a couple like yourself Thank that you. I can get inspiration from, right? I think more young Hispanics should look towards couples that, you know, maybe aren't perfect. No marriage is perfect, but radiant. They have radiant joy in their life. And I can see that with you too. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been such a, such an honor and a pleasure with both of you. God Thank bless you. brother. Thanks brother. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. much. Yeah.